Welcome to episode 91 of the Girl About the Globe podcast. In this episode, I interview fellow solo traveller, Grayson Katchenbock, on solo travelling in the USA. Grayson is so inspiring. She's travelled to 45 out of the 50 states and she shares her highlights and her tips for travelling around America. I hope that you find this interview as inspiring as I did. And if you've ever been interested in traveling domestically, if you live in America or heading to America, then this episode is for you. Stay tuned. Welcome to Girl About the Globe, a podcast for you as a solo female traveler, empowering women to travel solo with maximum adventure, minimum impact. Welcome to a dose of inspiration for the solo traveller. Today I'm joined by Grayson Katzenbock. Grayson is originally from Virginia and joins me today to talk about solo travelling in the USA. Welcome Grayson, nice to meet you. Thank you so much, it's nice to meet you as well. Before we delve into the United States, can you tell us a little bit more about you? So when did you first start solo travelling and what type of activities do you look for when you go on a trip? Absolutely. So I started solo traveling when I was 15 years old, actually, and wow. it was for it was for work. Um, so I was refereeing uh, tournaments, and um, I would get on a plane and <laughs> go off to a convention center wherever the hiring was. Um, and the type of traveler that I have slowly become over the ages is that I realize. Um, I really enjoy delving into the culture of the specific state or city that I'm in. So if I am going to Seattle or New York City, I'm going to be looking more for food scenes or different cultural experiences that you can't get other places. Whereas if I'm going to Utah or to Colorado, I'm going to get more into the outdoors or maybe a couple of craft breweries over in Montana, Washington, et cetera. I guess the United States is quite diverse as well, isn't it? So you it definitely to, is. Yeah. And, and you said that you visited all the major cities, haven't you? How many states have you been to and which ones have you visited? I have been to 44 of the 50 states. That is amazing. So, yeah, so the ones that I have not visited um, include Alaska, Hawaii, New Mexico, and then Vermont, New Hampshire, Maine. But I will be crossing off the last three states in a Northeast road trip I'm planning in September. So I'm very excited about that. Oh, fantastic. And you're quite young, aren't you? So you've, you've traveled quite a lot over the US. I have. I'm 24 right now. Um, and I've traveled cross country by myself, both west to east and north to south. Um, my family, I credit it to them. We've always been very big travelers, taken lots of road trips growing up, and they really inspired me to uh, to go out there and take on the world. Well, that's so amazing, especially as well, because you said that you started doing it when you were 15. And yes. Yes. <laughs> I, I don't really know that much about the States, to be honest. I've only really been to kind of the touristy places like New York and San Francisco and Key West. But what I see from the US is that you can go hiking or you can do adventure sports. And it seems as though each state offers something a bit different. Is that what you found as you've been traveling through? 
Yep, I totally agree with you. One of the reasons I love the United States is that there is so much to explore. Um, and you can go cross-country skiing or snowshoeing in one state, and then in that very same state, go to deserts, right? Over in Utah, for example, you have deserts, and then you have mountains and rivers and lakes. And then right over there, if you if you travel eight hours, you know, I guess I'd be what uh, a little bit longer, like 12 hours west, you'd hit the Oregon coast. And then you have beautiful overlook of, um, I, I slept one time over on the Oregon coast on a road trip and I woke up to whale sounds. And so wow. the U S really is spectacular in the fact that we have all of the nature, but also all of the history, you know, where, um, you can do a great road trip over the history in Boston. We have Paul Revere, Philadelphia, the Liberty Bell, Virginia, where I'm from, uh, boasts that we have the most U.S. presidents that have been born um, in Virginia. So Virginia has the most presidents. So there's a lot to explore. In which states did you find the easiest to travel in? That really depends on if you have a car or not. The easiest <laughs> places to travel if you do not have a car, I would say, would be a place like Massachusetts um, or one of those more densely populated states. In Massachusetts, you have Boston, which has tons of um, trolleys and ferries going to different beaches, but you also have commuter trains. So it's very easy to see the rest of the state as well, just using public transportation. Um, and I would say that if you did have a car, a place with a lot of highways like California, the road systems are, are great. You can get basically anywhere by hopping on a highway. Oh, fantastic. That's good to know that um, you don't necessarily need a car as well, because it, coming from the UK, I'm used to driving on the left so driving, <laughs> on the right, yes. driving on the right hand side freaks me out a little bit so um the more I can do with public transport the better really mm -hmm. and really all of your all of your cities even the smaller ones you're going to be able to have a train system or a metro system typically or at least buses oh that's good to know and which ones have been the most welcoming I'd have to go with the southern states like Tennessee or North Carolina. Um, they really have that southern charm. And what I like about those specifically is that there are a bit more um, hip type of cities. Like in Tennessee, you're going to have Nashville. In North Carolina, you have Asheville. Um, and then you uh, you have your southern charm towns like Knoxville and Gatlinburg in Tennessee are beautiful to visit. And in North Carolina, you have Durham, Raleigh, Wilmington, which are all um, just larger, larger towns, smaller cities, but still have that southern hospitality and charm. Has any of the places that you've been to, have they surprised you in any way? They have. I'd say the two most surprising states would be Arkansas and Idaho. Arkansas really surprised me because, truthfully, I was not expecting to find much in Arkansas, but I ended up wanting to stay there longer when I was in the northwest section. There's a beautiful area called Eureka Springs, which reminded me, uh, it was inspired by like 
Louisiana's French Quarter, kind of in New Orleans. And it looked like mini New Orleans down in Arkansas, which really surprised me. But it had a lot of waterfalls and rivers and mountains and lush greenery right by uh, the Ozarks that I just wasn't expecting. And then Idaho surprised me. In the States, Idaho is known for potatoes. If you if you have a really nice potato, everyone boasts that it's Idaho grown. I have had so yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I was expecting to go to Idaho and find a bunch of fields of potatoes. And to be honest, <laughs> and and then I go there, and it was filled with these with some of the most beautiful mountain ranges I've ever seen. So if you're into the outdoors, um, the Grand Tetons is one of the state's most beautiful mountain ranges. And what a lot of people don't realize is that while the Grand Tetons is in Wyoming, that neighbors Idaho. And so within an hour of the Grand Tetons, you are in Idaho. And um, a lot of the mountain ranges are still those beautiful, stark uh, peaks that just seem to reach on to the sky forever. It's stunning. Oh, wow. Well, you're definitely inspiring me to go to the US. I didn't realize that. <laughs> How easy is it to meet other people? And did you meet many other women traveling by themselves? Yeah, I think easy to meet other people really depends on who you are. I'm a pretty outgoing person, so I'm comfortable putting myself out there into more public groups. Um, and so I will say that's kind of an added plus just as you're going around because I actually meet other people primarily through Facebook groups. Um, I go on Facebook and whatever I'm planning to do in that area, if I'm looking to, um, like I'm trying to think of an example, I went to Oregon on a solo road trip and I really wanted to check out some of the local breweries, but um, I didn't know where to go. And so I found a local hiking group for the part of Oregon I was going to be in. I put out there um, that I was traveling and what I was doing. And I ended up going on a tubing trip where you get in those, um, like a tube, like a giant tire only filled up with tube. And we floated down the river and ended up doing a brewery tour. And amazing. it was amazing. And um, there's lots of stories I could tell about that, that I've met up with um, women around the United States. Um, and I've also hosted women before. I met this incredible woman who was on a solo cross-country road trip. She worked remotely, started in LA, um, so Northern California or Southern California, and drove across the country to Virginia. And she wanted to get into the arts. So I showed her around the art gal galleries in um, Virginia, and it was really interesting. So it, it can be easy to meet others. I primarily do it through Facebook groups because I'm able to vet the person. I'm able to click on their Facebook profile and stalk them a bit, to be honest. And yeah. it just makes me a bit more comfortable. I can see their activity in the group, how active they've been with the group before. And um, it gives me that boost of confidence. In terms of meeting other women while traveling solo, I actually haven't met women on my trip, but I've hosted a lot of solo travelers and a lot of solo travelers have hosted me. And so they're out there. I just haven't met them while I'm traveling, I suppose. Well, it sounds like you've definitely met people though. How do you, how did you go about hosting people? The hosting people, it, it's been a couple of ways. There is a fantastic Facebook group that I recommend any solo tra female traveler join, and it's called Host a Sister. 
and you can either post yourself as a host or and or a guest. Um, and so if people are looking to be hosted in an area, you can comment and offer your place as hosting. Um, and then I've also used it when I've been traveling places. Um, so that's the primary group. And the other one is that um, I join very niche groups for my interests. So if I am like in solo hiking, there is a Facebook group I'm part of for our solo hiking specifically, but then also kayaking, um, but then also like local artists. And so I join these Facebook groups and um, I usually just put myself out there and make a little post of saying who I am. And a lot of times people comment and um, we end up connecting and talking and they end up posting me. And I've also done the same vice versa where I've commented on someone's post. We've ended up talking and then I end up posting them. That's fantastic. I love how you've used Facebook and the fact that you say that you can actually kind of verify them as well and check what they've been posting in the group to make sure that they're a real profile. Yes, it gives you a peace of mind because while I love to go out and meet new people, I am also very well aware that there are some not good people in the world. And so it's nice to get to know the person a bit beforehand. Oh, great. And in all your travels across all the, all the different states, what were your highlights and your favorite places? I'd be a bit biased in saying Montana because I lived in Montana a couple of years and I had never explored the Pacific Northwest, which is that region of the country. It's um, Washington, Oregon, Idaho, and then a sliver of Montana, which is where I lived. And it's known as God's country. And I didn't really realize why until I moved out there. And it's awe-inspiring, the nature that surrounds you and the way that it's incorporated into people's lives there. They're just much more in, in tune with the seasons of, of their environment, but also of life. Um, and it was nature's playground out there is how I would best describe it. Oh, that's a great description. It was really beautiful. My favorite memory is the glacier lakes out there. So glacial lakes are um, glaciers that are, I didn't realize this until recently, actually, that glaciers are just ice caps that never fully melt throughout the year. There's always some type of ice there. And um, at these higher mountains, there's all these glacial lakes where the glaciers over the summer will melt and over hundreds and thousands of years have formed these lakes high up in the backcountry. And so my friends and I would go back and camp by these glacial crystal blue lakes and bring a fishing pole, catch some trout, or just do a polar plunge because it's so cold. But to drink from that water, it's so crisp and delicious. And it, it no matter how hot it is, it's refreshing. That's really brave. I'm, I'm presuming a polar plunge is a bit like an ice bath, is it? It practically is because, I mean, <laughs> the, all the water is, is from whatever rain, but mostly I, melted ice. A lot of times, like if you hike high enough, you'll still see the ice caps that are melting down wow. into the lake. So um, it is literally ice cold water. It's meant to be really invigorating. Is that how you felt when you did it? It was very invigorating and also 
like a shock to your system in a good way, a reset. Whenever I camped um, in in the more remote places, it was a really nice time to um, kind of meditate and reconnect. What type of places did you stay in in regards to accommodation? Did you camp quite a lot? I know you said that you also were hosted by people. Yeah, I have used most lodging options. I've stayed in hotels, Airbnbs, hostels. I've been hosted by people and I've also camped. And in the United States, I've not done this type of camping in other parts of the world, so I can't speak to that. But in the United States, especially on the West, there's a lot of public land that you can camp on. And I will preface this all by saying that there are leave no trace behind principles that if you don't know them um, to any of the listeners, please Google it because it's the way to preserve our land so that everyone can continue to enjoy it. Um, But you can actually just stay on public land that is reserved for public use. And um, you can look up the regulations online. If you look up um, just the local ranger station, which can be done by a quick Google search. If you're looking to stay by this forest, Google XYZ forest ranger station, and it will pop up with what information you need. Um, But you can actually sleep on the public land. I've camped. I've slept in my car. I've slept in Walmart parking lots because Walmart (laughs) is, you know, the big grocery store out here. And that's actually one of the safer places because you can park your car or RV there or trailer. And a lot of the Walmarts have 24-7 security footage. And so if you want just kind of a place to sleep for the night, um, then it's a safe place to do so. So I've I've stayed in all types of lodging. Um, One of the things I love about your blog is you kind of emphasize the importance of ethical travel. And so when I'm traveling by myself, I really like to kind of leave a small footprint and camp, you know, camp out under the stars Mm or um, the camp in a field somewhere, you know, you don't need a bed and um, you don't need a bathroom with plumbing. It's, it's nice to sometimes stick with the basics and remind yourself that you don't, you don't need everything. It's nice to have. It's a luxury. But that's exactly what it is, a luxury, and it's not necessary. Yeah, there's something about camping, isn't there? It's just, or you just really connect with nature, don't you? And then when you just wake up in the morning and you've got just the sounds around you. and Yes, it, it was amazing. My, fav- my favorite camping was um, I had pulled off on the side of this road, and it was a giant pull-off, and it overlooked the coast of Oregon, and I woke up to whale sounds, um, whale calls. It was incredible. Um, And the water was just splashing on the ocean. And you can't get that at a hotel. Um, Mm -hmm. It was really incredible. Much to the horror of my parents that I go around, you know, sleeping on the sides of highways or or the such. But you can also do it in your own special way. You can get a cabin if you want to get closer to nature. You can get a cabin and those usually have more facilities um, and accommodations. I think, thank you for your your lovely comments about the blog as well. That's really kind of you. Um, Thank you. Something that I have noticed is um, more people seem to be driving an RV and um, Mm. having the freedom just to be able to 
to drive around and to pull up wherever they want. So I guess that's also a way if people didn't want to camp because you can rent them as well, I think, can't you? Yes, you can rent RVs and you can also rent vans. That's becoming more and more popular um, is renting vans that have, it's kind of like one of those vans, but it it's built to live in. They have bathrooms, uh, like toilet sink, a little kitchen, um, and you can rent those as well. Are there any hidden gems that people should definitely visit in the United States? A hidden gem that I would say is, as you can tell, I love the outdoors. um, And the hidden gem I would suggest is the North Cascades National Park in Washington State. And for the city goers as well, it's north of Seattle. And Seattle is a beautiful city to the Bremoth culture that I suggest people visit um, it because you kind of get the beach view. Um, it, there, there's an inlet, but you can go up from Seattle to the North Cascades National Park and you'll have some of the most beautiful sites. It's right by Canada um, and it's just absolutely stunning. But I believe I, I read somewhere that it was the least visited national park in the United States. And it astounds me. It astounds yeah. me because it's one of the most beautiful, I believe. Um, so highly recommend Hidden Gem. Wow. What do you think is the state's attraction to women traveling alone? I know that from the UK and Europe, we're very lucky because you do get quite a lot of weeks to take for holiday. And I've I've read that in the States, I think the average amount of holiday you can take is two weeks. So I understand. <laughs> that is the average it's time. Just, it's so sad. So <laughs> nothing. Yeah. So I'm guessing that's part of the reason that people explore the States domestically more is because by the time you've flown long haul, it, it takes up a lot of your holiday time. Yeah, I think it's the flying. And I also think that there's so much you can do in the United States, that domestic travel, um, you you can have a lot of sightseeing. I know when my parents, um, whenever we had a vacation, it's like we were discovering something new every single time. So I would say that was the appeal. Um, and for people coming over, now my my parents used to live over in Europe and they told me that, you know, when they were describing the United States to people, it's that people don't realize how large the United States really are um, and that there's just so much you can see. Um, so I would suggest, you know, there's the big cities like Los Angeles and New York City, um, but some of the other states are just absolutely stunning. This is a really hard question, but if you only had a month to see the best of the continent, what would your perfect itinerary be? Mm. I'm going to split that up again on if you have a car and if you do not have a car, because car rentals right now are through the roof in the United States. And so if you're looking at a trip to the United States and a car's not fitting in there, then I'll like offer two options, basically. If you do have a car, I would go through the Pacific Northwest. Um, there's some beautiful cities uh, and mostly just vast amounts of beauty. So I would go on the coast of Oregon up to Seattle, and then I'd hit up that North Cascades National Park that I mentioned, cut over to Idaho, um, visit Glacier National Park, 
go down, stop in Missoula, which is where I lived in Montana, beautiful place. And then I'd go down to the Grand Tetons and then over to Idaho to the Sawtooth Range, mountain range, um, or by the Salmon Chalice National Forest. And that's going to bring you a day's drive back to where you started in Oregon. That would be my ideal month-long trip if you did not or did have a car. If you did not have a car, I would go back to America's roots and I'd go over to the East Coast um, and explore Boston and Philadelphia and Washington. Or you could really just stick to two of those places. Um, So Amtrak is our kind of fast track for a train. And there is an Amtrak route through all of those places. And it also goes across New York City, which is a huge tourist attraction. So you get to stop there as well if you wanted to. And then in all of those cities, it's very safe generally. Um, Of course, like many cities, there are unsafe areas. But if you do your research, you'll be able to find which areas are safe. Um, And with that, there's like so much history. Boston is where you had Paul Revere in Philadelphia. You have the Liberty Bell. Washington, D.C. is our nation's capital. Um, and it's so some of the best public museums in, in the world. And so uh, lots to do around there. And that can all be done through train. I was going to ask how easy it is to get around, but you just mentioned um, Amtrak there in regards yep. to train. And also, obviously, if you have your own car, then there's different routes you can do quicker as well I guess there's also domestic flights there's domestic flights those um I prefer train over flight if Mm -hmm. I'm traveling domestically what pushes it over for me personally because you have to deal with TSA and then you have to drive to the airport or if you don't have a car that's going to be you know a car service that you have to pay so what pushes it over me for train versus plane is if the train is an hour to two hours longer, two hours is usually where I would start to then fly. But if it's an hour and a half longer than a flight, I just take a train because you get to look out and um, and also see all of America too. If you just pop your head out the window, whereas in a plane, you're just seeing the clouds. And it's a lot more sustainable as well, isn't it? It is sustainable and it's also fun. It's you get to yeah. um, stretch your legs out a bit more. You know, you have your table and um, and it's just fun. During all of your trips, what did you do in the evenings when you were alone? Usually it, it depended. At night when traveling solo, I do not like to stay out very late. That's just a personal preference. Um, in terms of safety, what makes me feel the safest. But I would usually go to a local restaurant. Um, I would get on the interwebs or my favorite thing to do is ask a local, where would you go for dinner? Just anyone you bump into. Yeah. It's so much fun. And so usually they have a great place to suggest. And I bring my journal or book and I go to that restaurant or bar and I hang out there a bit. 
And um, if it's in a walkable area, I'll walk around. But then I usually just like to go back to my hotel or Airbnb or campsite and reflect on the day a bit. Um, I do that wherever I'm traveling, states or international. Um, and it's a nice way to just sit with myself and reflect on the day and plan the next. And is there anywhere that you would avoid? There is not any place I would avoid besides high crime areas, which you can, when you're researching a place, I mean, you just find the high crime places just like anywhere else in the world. I will say that based, if you go to the deep South, you can start to get some prejudice based off of your race or gender. You know, if you go to a smaller town, there have been times when comments have been made to me about my gender of, um, I, I wear a fake wedding ring, to be honest, um, because it's, it's, you know, once you have a ring on your finger, somehow you're um, less approachable or people people respect you more, unfortunately. Um, mm -hmm. And you'll find that in, in smaller places in the United States. Um, if you're in more rural areas in like Utah um, or Oklahoma or the deep south with Louisiana, Georgia, South Carolina, you'll start to get that behavior. So there's no place to avoid. I've still gone to them. I still love those places. Um, but it's definitely something to keep in mind if you aren't comfortable with some offhand comments um, to be aware of. Oh, that's really, really good tip. Thank you. Absolutely. And again, I, I wouldn't say I've, uh, I've never felt unsafe. It's just more so rude um, and unpleasant. Yeah. And there's something to be said about feeling comfortable. So it's good to be aware of it, isn't it? Absolutely. And that's that's one thing that I've realized doing solo travel and, and talking to other solo travelers, specifically women, is that it's my strong belief that you do whatever you need to do to feel comfortable on your trip if um, and take all of those precautions you need. Yeah, I recently came back from um, an African trip. I ended up cutting it short because I was just not feeling very comfortable. I was having a good time in the countries, but I got to the point where I wanted to just go somewhere and just be invisible and just have a more of a comfortable time. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, I think that's important to take into account how you're feeling as a traveler. And here, yeah. even you, I mean, you've been to dozens and dozens of yeah. countries. Um, and you still get that feeling sometimes. So I know that when I started solo traveling, I was a bit self-conscious about like, oh, I shouldn't be worried about that. Or, oh, it's just my nerves getting in the way. But you need to respect those nerves and do what you are comfortable with. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And you've now transitioned into remote work, haven't you, so that you can travel full time? I have. It's, it's been quite the transition. It's been very interesting in a good way. It is definitely interesting. And I think when you first do it as well, getting the right balance between how much should you work and then how much should you travel can be a little bit of a kind of balancing act. But that's, I mean, that's the dream, isn't it? Just remote work and then be able to wake up one week in a different destination and be able to work from there. Absolutely. And I... Have been in training this month, and so I'm actually starting 
in a couple of days, the full, the full schedule. Um, but I've been planning for this for a while because my previous position, I was traveling a lot and I wanted to move to remote work for a year because I am applying to law school. So I'll be this time next year, I will be kind of hunkering down to start my studies at law school. And I was thinking kind of what would my ideal year look like if I could do anything? And it was switching to a remote job and traveling full time. So I will, I'm actually leaseless right now and I'm traveling full time. Love it. That's so inspiring. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> so what would you say to someone who, first of all, is looking to explore the States alone for the first time and is unsure about it? And then the second part of that question would be to someone who is ready to do remote work. So what I would say to someone who is looking to explore the States alone for the first time or who's unsure about it is that the United States is like nowhere else in the world. You know, it's one of those new countries that uh, has, yet is so filled with history. Um, and we have the architecture, the nature, the food, the culture, and it truly is a melting pot. Mm-hmm. And um, it's so amazing to come to be from the United States and to visit these integral parts of history that um, the Civil Rights Act, uh, abolishing slavery, um, or the Civil War, you know, I grew up by Civil War battlefields, and I was able to walk among the battlefields and, and see the cannons and the dugouts. Um, and there's living history museums in Williamsburg and Jamestown about the colonial period. Um, and so it's very cool if you're on the edge or unsure about visiting the States to just think about how, how incredible it is to visit this relatively new country that is a melting pot of so many cultures. Fantastic. And then what would you also say to somebody who wants to travel more like yourself and they want to look at doing remote work? Do your research before you start applying to jobs. Do your research about what you're looking for in a job and what you want. Um, I think I started delving into just applying, applying, applying to jobs everywhere I could. And then I realized that if I was getting an interview, half the time I wasn't interested in the position anyways. And so I realized for myself, I wanted a steady income, which meant that I didn't want to do any freelance work. I wanted hourly or salary-based pay. Um, And then I needed to work internationally because sometimes they'll only let you work in the country or from your actual home. So do your research on what you want. And if you want to travel more full-time, Um, What I've been doing actually is um, a website called Trusted House Sitters, trustedhousesitters.com. That's what what I'm doing at the moment. I'm actually cat sitting in London through Trusted House Sitters. Yeah, how funny. Look at that. Oh my goodness. So we can both recommend it. Um, Yeah. I love it. How, How have you been enjoying it? This is my first time actually doing it on the platform. I've, I've pet-sitted before and I'm actually writing the solo insight for this month. It's going to be on my experience doing it. So, yeah, it's, it's good. It's very cool. Yes, yeah. I've, I've been actually um, almost all of my lodging for the rest of the year is through Trusted House Sitters. Um, so I am house-sitting right now and 
I'm actually house sitting through a personal connection that inspired me to look into house sitting and I found trusted house sitters. So through, I will um, be house sitting. I got a house sitting position in Maine, in Colorado, in Alberta, Canada, in Prague, Czech Republic, um, in London. I got a job in London. um, And then I'm filling in my house sitting, essentially my rent for the month is a plane ticket to that destination. And then I'm leaving a couple weeks in between each to travel around wherever my location is. So for example, when I'm flying to Prague, I'm flying in two weeks early into Copenhagen um, because the, to be honest, the plane ticket was $200 cheaper. And so with that, I could almost cover a Eurorail pass. So I'm flying into Copenhagen, doing West Germany, down to Prague, house-sitting in Prague, and then taking two more weeks to explore East Germany. And so that's how I'm kind of building in my travel for a a more budget-friendly type of adventures. That's amazing. And congratulations on getting accepted for all of those house-sits as well. Thank you. Thanks. It was, um, I, if someone's looking to beef up their profile, I asked past friends who I had house sat or pet sat for to write me reviews. Um, And I, when talking to hosts, and then I would do local jobs, um, just small local jobs for a night or two to boost up my profile. And then um, you'd be surprised at this point, sometimes I actually have people requesting my profile. So they'll send me a request. Can you house sit? Um, if you get on the platform, you know, usually you apply. Um, but I have had people now reaching out to kind of apply to me because my profile is boosted enough. So it is a really cool platform. I've been loving it. And I love seeing how people live. Um, you know, my the people I'm house sitting for in Prague invited me out a couple days early because they want to show me around and make a couple of their favorite native dishes. And so, and I've been collecting um, a little welcome basket for the host from full of American snacks and goodies. And so it's a cool way to connect with people who, who are living in, in this place that I've wanted to explore and have more of a local eye for things. Wow, I'm so impressed, honestly. And <laughs> Thank I, you. I kind of did similar to you. I asked friends that I'd um, pet sat for. So if anybody doesn't know what Trusted House Sitters is, it's a platform where you can you register yourself as a house sitter or if you have a house and a pet and you want to go on holiday and you want someone to look after your house or your flat and your pet, then you can register on there. And I'm just looking for cat sitting because I've Mm. never had a dog and I don't really feel comfortable with dogs. What I did, I got friends who I'd cat sat for in the past. And also I looked after fish to write me some references. And same as you, I've been approached by people asking if, if I'm free on certain dates. So it does seem at the moment, I think because of COVID, I think a lot more people got pets. So it does seem like it is in demand. So it's a great way of A, looking after a pet, which is great when you're solo traveling because I've yes. really got the cat to keep me company, which is I lovely. love, I love, I have my cat right now. Eugene is right beside me. And she's <laughs> the sweetest person. And I'd be lonely without her, you know? I mean, there is that component. Absolutely. Yeah. And then also like you're saying with the cultural exchange, I mean, that's lovely that that couple in Prague have actually invited you to come a couple of days earlier and want to show you their favorite restaurants and 
it's also a great way, like, like you were saying before, of traveling on a budget. And yeah, your airfare could then cover your your rent really for that particular time. So I just think it's a it's a win-win situation. Yeah, absolutely. I've really enjoyed it. And um, it's been a nice little getaway too. Sometimes you don't have to go to another country to, to use trusted house sitters. Mm-hmm. Um, I encouraged my friend to jump on it and she's going down and spending her vacation in the Key West for a week, um, house sitting a cat and it's a beautiful house on the beach. And so it's just, it's a nice way to, um, to get around. Definitely. I'm so glad that we ended up talking about that as well. How ironic that we're both. Yeah, it it is. (laughs) I've loved it. It's just, um, it's such a good idea. Yeah, definitely. So before we just start wrapping up, is there anything else that you wanted to add about the United States or any of the topics that we've just discussed? I'd say a little fact about traveling around the United States. If you're looking to do a big trip over there, and many people don't realize, including a lot of Americans, is that our highway system is actually set up kind of like a grid. And so um, if you look at the main interstates, then you'll see an up and down and across system. And um, when you're on those highways, it's, it's super easy to just set cruise control and drive. And it, it helps with, you might see oh, it's eight hours away, um, but I've driven eight hours easy because you get on the interstate and you drive for eight hours. Um, so it's a grid system. It's very interesting. Okay, great. Thank you so much for just inspiring me to visit the United States and for showing me that there's so much more than just New York and LA, (laughs) even though they're fantastic places. But yeah, you've just um, really opened my eyes to some different areas that I hadn't really thought of. And I wish you every success in the future and especially with law school as well. So thank you, Grayson. Thank you so much. And I'm glad I inspired you to explore the US because when I was first starting my solo travels yours is one of the blog that I happened upon and it's inspired me to visit a lot of countries next year I'm going to be exploring South and Central America and I've been pouring over your blog and Mm -hmm. so I want to thank you as well I think it's a very cool community you've created and and I appreciate it oh thank you so much great take care and um yeah good luck with your future travels thank you so much And you can follow Grayson's adventures on Instagram at the goings of Grayson. And we also have a solo travel in the USA guide on the Girl About the Globe blog. Plus, you can find out more about cat sitting on my new blog post, Cat Sitting the World for Free. And I'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to our Girl About the Globe podcast, making solo travel easier for you. Find everything that you need for your solo travels at girlabouttheglobe.com and don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode.